Season 2 of the Cafe Nervosa podcast. I'm Taryn. And I'm Lauren. We're two ladies who have a deep and abiding appreciation for the 1990s NBC sitcom Frasier. In this podcast, we're going through the show season by season and we're talking about specific topics as we go. We will lovingly dissect the episodes and plots, share many clips featuring our favorite jokes, and gush over Roz and Lilith. In this episode, we're talking about the writing on the show, and for season two, that means applauding the crafting of complex dialogues and taking a close look at episode structures. So, order yourself a Stoli Gibson on the rocks with three pearl onions, and if they bring you two, if they bring you four, send it back, and then lounge in your Eames classic as we talk about season two of Frasier. Before we get into the topic today, here's a refresher on season two of Frasier. Recall that at this point, Fraser is settled into his life in Seattle, that his hair is still being worn in that super hideous skullet, and that his main relationships are with Madeline Marshall, whom he takes to Bora Bora, and Dr. Honey Snow, the self-help book author. Niles and Maris are together, but Niles suspects Maris of having an affair with a Bavarian fencing teacher. Daphne has long hair and bangs and not much other story. Martin has to get Eddie neutered. And Roz is winning at life with huge 90s hair by being a great radio producer and by having the sex life she chooses without apology. Taryn, kick us off. Let's talk about the writing of season two. I want to start us off by talking about a scene from the episode An Affair to Forget. This is the episode where Niles suspects Maris of having an affair with her fencing instructor. In another episode, we've touched on how amazing David Hyde Pierce is in this scene, and he's really amazing. But I wanted to talk about how great the writing is, because I think the writing really holds the scene together. Here is a clip with the setup of the scene. There you are. Yes, I'm talking to you, strudel boy. No one seduces my wife and gets away with it. You probably thought, because of my refined bearing and swimmer's build, that I wouldn't put up a fight for the woman I love. But you're dead wrong, because real men have a thing called honor. Yo! You wouldn't know about that, would you? Niles. You wouldn't know how decent people behave. Niles. You wouldn't know the meaning of the word rectitude. Niles, he wouldn't know the meaning of the word dog, cat, or pencil. He doesn't speak English, remember? Wieso ist das so böse? Ich weiß nicht. Martha. <laughs> you speak German? Okay. Hola, Alemán. Sí, yo trabajé para una familia alemana que llegó a Guatemala después de la guerra. Apparently she worked for a German family that turned up in Guatemala just after the war. <laughs> well, 
well, good, good. She can translate for me. Tell her. Don't, tell don't wait, Niles. Don't Niles, tell him. Niles, just wait. What? Look at him. God, if he knew you were calling a strudel boy, he'd be wiping his feet on your face. Hang that, Fraser. They're going to be scuffs. They'll be scuffs of honor. How dare you steal my wife? Translate. Oh, all right. Senor Crane, Kennedy, preguntas a Gunnar. Como se otra vez? A robar mis zapatos. So this scene is very verbally and physically nimble. And you can tell that the writers are always on top of the scene, even though it gets more and more complicated. Because Niles is angry. He's speaking in English. Fraser translates that into Spanish for Marta. And Marta then translates into German for Gunnar and back and forth throughout the entire scene. It's really impressive. <laughs> It sure is. There is one mistranslation in all the back and forth, which adds to the humor of this sort of zany scene, but it doesn't derail the scene at all, and it doesn't uh, derail the emotion of the scene, because the writers know how to employ those those things at the right moment and and the right amount to keep the the show firing on all cylinders. To keep the train on the track. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The back and forth is quick, and despite the zany circumstance, you still feel Niles' anger, and the and you can feel that the writers are totally in control of the scene because it's so carefully crafted. Yeah, with something like this where there is quick dialogue and there's a, as you say, a kind of a zany premise, it could result in the scene running away from the characters and becoming too silly and maybe it would be funny but it wouldn't have that emotion that you're talking about and yeah this one totally has it professor lauren could you teach me about show structure i would be honored to teach you about show structure asterisk i'm not a real professor (laughs) although i have professed in my day (laughs) and does all the time (laughs) uh yes so i want to talk about how the episodes are structured and why that matters. So last season when we talked about writing, Professor Lauren told you about a bottle episode and how that is a writing device that's used to flesh out characters in a kind of confined space. This season, I want to talk about the structure of the episodes. Um, And to do that, first off, really quick, Storytelling 101 with Professor Lauren. In a good story, in a meaningful story, you have the world as it exists when we, the audience, first encounter it. That's our baseline. That's where we start. The world exists. Then something happens that throws the world into chaos or disorder. Could be someone has a baby. It could be someone wears the wrong thing to school. You know, could be anything. So it doesn't have to be something earth-shattering, you're saying. Exactly. It could be a tiny detail, but something that changes the baseline. Normalcy. The normalcy, exactly. Then after the chaos comes, something else happens that resolves it. So now the world looks a little bit different than when we first found it. That's the whole thing with storytelling. World is, something happens that changes it, world is different. That's how you tell a good story. So now that we understand that, I want to apply that structure to an episode of Frasier. The episode I want to talk about is called Dukes We Hardly Knew Ya. This is where Fraser and Niles join Martin 
for a drink at Duke's, only to find out that their investment company plans to bulldoze Duke's to build a mini-mall. So in Act 1 of this episode, after Niles has convinced Fraser to invest in this real estate scheme, Marty invites the boys out to Duke's for the drink, and they are flattered but confused. Here is that bit of setup in a clip. Hey, I'm going down to Duke's. What are you guys doing? Well, we're going to try and find some place to eat. Well, when you get through, why don't you swing by and have a beer with me? At Duke's? Yeah. Us? Yeah. <laughs> with you? What am I speaking, Swahili? Yeah. You two at Duke's with me, a beer, if you want, Jimmy. <laughs> So that's act one. That's the world as we know it. Marty and the boys don't see eye to eye. They don't totally understand each other. Here we are. In the second act of the episode, the boys realize that they are investors in the company that's tearing down Martin's home away from home, which is that element of chaos that comes into the episode. In Act 3, Fraser and Martin have an emotional resolution around Fraser admitting that he and Niles are the investors. They also talk about what it means for Fraser and Niles to be asked to go to Duke so Martin learns to understand what the offer of that beer meant to his sons. This is how the world is changed now. We live in a new place where they have some understanding between each other. The great thing about Fraser is that while they use the structure again and again, they put spins on it and vary it so that it's always funny. And in this episode, there's a great piece of comedy at the at the end, after Fraser and Martin have had this heart-to-heart conversation, where Niles rushes in to use himself as a human barrier to the wrecking ball. He's completely out of sync with the rest of the plot, which is what makes his over-the-top action so funny. And here's a clip. <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm here to stop the demolition. What are you doing here? We came to say goodbye. You may not have to. I've alerted my lawyers. I intend to stand here and face down the bulldozers. I'm prepared to take this thing to the highest court in the land. Niles, you don't have to do that. I've had a discussion with Dad. He forgives us. Sure, son. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Is it really okay? I think not. (laughs) Because today it's Duke's. But tomorrow, it's Moe's. And the day after that, it's Ernie's tap room. (laughs) See, I'm not just here for you, Dad. I'm doing this for every little guy out there who found some solace at the end of a hard day by bellying up at his neighborhood bar. I'm here to show faceless corporate America they can't just walk in here without so much as a how-to-do and shove the little guy aside, even when I'm that faceless corporate America. (laughs) I'm here to fight the good fight, to show those sniveling, rat-faced heathens there's still some fury pounding in the heart of John Q. Public. The cool thing about understanding that this structure exists is that Now that you know, you can look for it in any of the episodes, and odds are very high that you'll find it. Totally, and the show helps you as well to find it because they have the intertitle cards throughout the episodes, which are the black card with white writing with some sort of thing on it, and those tend to demarcate the act breaks, so those are helpful good signposts for you. Totally. Professor Taryn, what's an intertitle? <laughs> so an intertitle is 
it's essentially a title card that has been interfiled into a movie or in this case a TV show. What a fun term. Yeah. It's really fun to say. Intertitle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've talked about these before in, in the last season. Um, I want to talk about season two, some of the my faves from season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and these, just sort of as a reminder, are where the writers get to have some fun they can't fit into the show otherwise. They make references to pop culture. They make some sort of observation or elaboration about the upcoming scene or just make a dumb joke that or pun that wouldn't otherwise fit into the show. So I really enjoy them. They're really up my alley. Tell me some of your faves. From uh, the episode The Unkindest Cut of All, where Eddie has to get neutered, um, there's Sunday in the Park with Eddie, mm-hmm. a, a play on the Sondheim musical about George Surratt. Looks boring. Yeah, we sure seen does. It. <laughs> Sorry, Mandy Patinkin and Bernadette Peters. <laughs> Who we love. Who we love. But that thing looks dull. Yeah. Let's make a painting come to life. Ugh. <laughs> or we could watch TV. And we are musical people. It's yeah. Hard to say. We're, we're doing all we can. <laughs> From Dukes We Hardly Knew Ya, uh, there's one that where nobody knows their names. Mm-hmm. A play on the cheers where everybody knows your name. Uh-huh. Uh, from the episode The Candidate, Citizen Crane. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. In Adventures in Paradise Part 2, this is after Lilith, uh, or I think right before Lilith shows up. Um, the the intertitle is, What Number Sunblock Must She Use? It's got to be high. I'd say 70 plus. Yeah, and in the 90s, that was hard to find. Yeah, exactly. You could only get a... 25, I think, in the 90s. And it was sun oil. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. We all made mistakes. (laughs) We made mistakes as a culture, for sure. In uh, the episode The Club, there's Crane Scrutiny. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, that one took me a while to, like, parse out. I was like, that sounds super familiar. Finally got to it. The Cane Mutiny. Right. It's... I also couldn't figure out what that one was, but it was delightful because I think it sort of sounds like a spoonerism. Uh, and Professor Lauren, uh-huh. what's a spoonerism? A spoonerism is a language device where things are swapped around. That's not a good explanation. So here's an example. <laughs> you know in Friends when Ross tries to say butternut squash, but it comes out squatternut bosh? Ah, uh, yes. That's a spoonerism. So the first couple letters of two words are swapped. Right. Which crane scrutiny isn't, but I don't know. It, it has that feeling. It has the feeling. And we got to learn about spoonerisms. In the episode Daphne's Room... Before the scene where Niles has his hand down the garbage disposal, the intertitle is Indiana Crane and the Disposal of Doom. (laughs) I love that one. That's a good one. (laughs) And in the episode Breaking the Ice, there's I Only Have Ice for You. Yeah. I love a good pun. Taryn loves a pun. (laughs) And so I have another here. The um, t- the intertitle card is he will be the world's first four-legged leprechaun, and it sets up this scene uh, that I have a clip of where Daphne comes home from a rainy walk with Eddie, where he has a tiny little raincoat and hat on. It side note, it's adorable. Yeah, check out our Instagram feed for a screenshot. Yes, we're at Cafe Nervosa Pod. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Daphne, get that hat off him. Isn't it bad enough we had him neutered? Look, the way things are going, I don't think I'm going to have children. Just let me dress up the dog. I've never seen a dog look that stupid. You'll change your tune when you see the outfit I got him for St. Patrick's Day. What I like about the intertitles is that they evoke silent film and they speak to the sort of tradition of great storytelling that Frasier is a part of, and I think that's really cool. That is super cool. Another thing that I wanted to talk about is how the writers on this show trust their audience. They give us jokes that not everyone will necessarily get. Vanity Fair has a great oral history of Frasier where they interviewed a bunch of the creators and cast and producers and people who worked on it. Um, And I have a quote from David Lee, who's one of the show's three creators. And he says, we decided there could be jokes that not everyone got. We called them 10 percenters. As long as we were delivering high quality for the other 90%, it was fine. I love that. I love that they allowed for people to have to learn something in the way they wrote their jokes and how you can see that in the intertitles a lot of the the references are things that not everyone would get which is cool that is really great and i think it shows also like the care that they have about their show that they just want to put in every joke they could and sort of wanted to Mm -hmm. and didn't let their potential audiences potential knowledge stifle that yeah I don't think enough popular media respects audiences in the way that this one does. For sure. And we will link to the that um, Vanity Fair piece in our recap for this episode. So head over to our website and check that out. And, t- and Professor Taryn, what's our website? It is CafeNervosaPodcast.com. Excellent. It's like super important to realize how amazing the writing is in the show and give give the writing and the writers credit for how rewatchable the show is to this day and not to just weirdos like us not just weirdos like you and i Taryn, and the weirdos who listen to the show hi friends hi if you try to watch other shows from around this time or even after you'll likely be disappointed like friends doesn't hold up as well as i think we all wanted it to <laughs> will and grace doesn't and and so step I... by step <laughs> no not very good it turns out on rewatch <laughs> she was a step head guys <laughs> i just love suzanne summers <laughs> i don't and the thick dynasty and the thicks yeah yep. uh, so just great job fraser writers and great job listeners for sticking through this conversation <laughs> <laughs> Our next segment is 1990s Nonsense, where we discuss aspects of the show that have not aged as well as others. Reminder, it has been 25 years since the show premiered, and a lot has changed. Lauren, start us off in what you fondly call Nonsense Corner, because let's be honest, this is nonsense that is not contained to the 90s. It sure isn't, no. Um, Yeah, while the show completely does hold up as a whole, 
if you dive into the episodes and jokes, it's important to remember that many of the jokes do not hold up. Um, in the second season in particular, there are really lazy jokes made about Fraser and Niles's, I'm using a quote, manliness, um, Daphne's intelligence, Roz's sex life, everything to do with bulldog socks. Like there are whole episodes that are hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as we can praise the writing, we also have to hold it account- accountable for being a little bit crappy. Yeah. And lazy is a great way to describe it. The, mm-hmm. the, they are lazy jokes, when those ones that do not land today. The jokes are also often punching down at marginalized groups, and that sucks. It sure does. And I think that leads very well into my nonsense that only six out of the 24 episodes of the season are co-written by a woman. Boo. Men get whole episodes to their to themselves, and all six times women are co-credited alongside men. I don't like that. I don't like it either. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that those it's two women who get these six <laughs> episodes, and those women are Linda Morris and Anne Flett Giordano. So good job, ladies. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you did all you could, but. Yeah. I'm also sure your life was hard. Yeah, but you were in a sausage party (laughs) of a writer's room, Mm -hmm. and that's why we get punching down jokes. Absolutely. Uh, Ladies, we'd like to be your friends. Yeah. Give us a call. Get on the horn. Turning back to things we love about the show, it's that time where we recommend an episode for you from the second season. Taryn, what's your pick? I am going to see the episode The Innkeepers. Yes. This is the episode where Niles and Fraser, out of nowhere, decide to buy a (laughs) restaurant to run. And it's just a great example of a zany farce and how the show can just be firing on all cylinders for pretty much the entire show and it's so great yeah if you want eel murder if you want Roz with giant cherries jubilee blown up hair (laughs) if you want auto crashing a car through the front door of the restaurant this episode has it all yeah and Martin taking his sons down several pegs (laughs) it's in there check (laughs) absolutely Lauren uh, what episode are you recommending Um, I picked Someone to Watch Over Me. That's the episode that revolves around the Seabees, where Fraser thinks that his fan is stalking him. It's a really well-crafted story, and it delivers, like, real emotional stakes very quickly, and it also gets Fraser spinning his wheels and being out of control, which is always good. That's a great pick. Thanks for listening to Cafe Nervosa. Check out our other episodes. They're in Apple Podcasts and on Google Play and on our website at cafenervosapodcast.com. On our website, I make recaps for each of our podcast episodes, including links, gifs, and other observations, including how many times we mention Lilith. We got her in this time. Don't worry, folks. We sure did. 
please also go right now and follow us on Instagram at Cafe Nervosa Pod. We'll show you all those intertitles that we were talking about. We'd like to thank Colette Jonas for composing our awesome theme music, and we would love it if you would help us spread the word about our show by telling the Niles to your Fraser or the Daphne to your Martin about Cafe Nervosa. We like to end every episode with clips of our favorite jokes from this season based on our theme. Lauren, letter rip. All you need to know here is that Niles and Martin are building a ship together and that wordplay is the best. So you want to build a two-masted schooner? <laughs> schooner? I thought it was a frigate. No, no, a frigate has a fore and aft mainsail. No, no, that's a brigantine. Oh, you're right. Well, then what's a frigate? That's when you just don't give a damn anymore. <laughs> All you need to know here is that Fraser and his paramour, Dr. Honey Snow, have decided to be honest with each other. I thought your first three books were trite and saccharine. It's your turn, honey. Honey? I am immensely proud of my first three books. As well you should be. You thought they were trite? Oh, well, I meant trite in its best sense, as in the phrase, trite and true. And what about saccharin? I love saccharin. Use it every day. Well, I'm glad you like saccharin, darling, because there's no way you're getting any honey 